day, being Labor Day and all that, I thought I'd bring my grandson to work with me. Uh, this is my grandson, Corbin Allen Tandy. He's uh, 13, just entered the youth group, and uh, thought I'd bring him to work with me. Look a little different from up here? Yeah. <laughs> well, first thing we got to do is we just talk a little bit and kind of get them interested. Uh, <laughs> So, um, and, and we're talking about Labor Day, so we talk about Labor Day a little bit. Uh, Labor Day is kind of a weak holiday, isn't it? I mean, it's not like the others, and we kind of walk around so that we see if they're paying attention. Uh, <laughs> Labor Day is kind of a weak holiday. I mean, how many of you uh, did any last-minute Labor Day shopping? You know, not a shopping rush or anything out there at the malls. Uh, anybody in here buy special foods? You got a big turkey dinner plan, big ham dinner plan? We don't do any of that kind of stuff. Uh, what are you supposed to do on Labor Day? It's just kind of a strange holiday. We get a day off, but that's about it. Uh, actually, I think we're supposed to celebrate and honor labor. And think about the fact that we have jobs and the blessing of that and uh, celebrate working. Now think about that. If that's what we're supposed to do, Christians probably, well, we probably ought to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, and show up a little early. You know, and if the boss was there for some reason, tell him that, you know, I enjoy my job so much that I want to work today, and I don't even want any pay. Okay? Now, you see, some of them are kind of frowning now. You know, know, they're not really feeling me on this. Okay? Uh, So it's probably a good time to lighten things up a little bit with a joke. Okay. 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 Heard this joke. Let's walk over to this side and see if they're paying attention. I heard about a boss that called his employees in and said he had a wonderful new invention. They had invented some robots, and they would take care of all the menial tasks that everybody used to have to do. And they wouldn't have to work so many hours. And so he could see immediately in their faces that they were worried about job security. They thought, aha, people are going to start getting laid off. So he said, no, don't worry about that. He said, we're doing fine. we got... Good profits, all that. So I'm going to pay you exactly the same. You just won't have to do as much work. And they thought that was all right. And he said, in fact, the next step that the engineers have planned is if the robots get more improved, and we think they will, uh, will, you'll be able to take off a day or two about any time you want. And I'm going to pay the same wages. And then the next step that the engineers have planned, uh, we plan to get it down where you only have to come to work three days a week. But since the robots are doing it and they don't really cost much, we'll keep paying you exactly the same thing. And the ultimate, what they tell me they can do, is get it where the robots do almost everything. And you'll just have to come in one day a week. Come in on Wednesdays, work your shift, pick up your whole paycheck, and go home. And he looked and there was a hand at the back. Somebody waving his hand, and he said, yes. And the guy said, sir, 
Will we have to come in every Wednesday? <laughs> See, now that's not really funny, but it is kind of funny. Because the people that laugh know people like that. Yeah. They know there are people that think that way about their job. They know there are people that don't like their job, don't like their boss, don't like the place they work. Uh, all of that. And that's common attitude. Should never be the attitude of a Christian. Christians should never think that way. Now, see, now we've gone from getting them interested to preaching. Okay? And, and I know you're having fun at this, but I got to tell, be truthful with you, for the next 20 or 30 minutes, things don't change much. You know, it just kind of stays about the same. And so, you've seen what it's like to work up here. I'll let you go back and sit down. Thank you for helping me today. <laughs> Now, I said Labor Day is kind of a weak holiday, and Labor Day sermons probably, however, ought to be the most important sermon of the year. You know why I say that? Because I think the biggest problem that Christians have is a disconnect between Sunday and the rest of the week. We come here a sermon, we, we come worship, we come focus on God, we come do all of that, and the rest of the week doesn't seem to connect sometimes. I hope every sermon that you hear out of this pulpit anyway is always true, but I'd have to admit some of them are not always applicable. And that's hard. Because the majority of us, the majority, go to work. If not, you go to school, and the same thing can kind of apply that we're going to talk about today. What we talk about on Labor Day, about work and the things I'm going to say to you, are applicable. Maybe not tomorrow, but Tuesday, you can start applying them. Yeah. Luke 9.23, remember Jesus said that thing about take up your cross? Deny, if you want to follow him, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. We've got that so messed up. How many of you have heard people using the take up your cross thing as some kind of great sacrifice, some kind of great physical problem, some kind of great spiritual problem, something you've got to bear, well, that's my cross to bear. Maybe it's a family situation, a family relationship. Well, he's my cross to bear. That's not what Jesus was talking about at all. In fact, the key word in there for what we're talking about today was when he said daily. Take up your cross daily. It's not about some huge sacrifice or some huge physical problem or, or something like that. It is simply what we do daily because we said we'd follow Him. If you're not following Him, you can do whatever you want every day. If you're following Him, a lot of times, in fact every day, you're going to have to deny yourself sometimes. 
because you're going to want to do what he wants instead of what you want. That's the denying self. That's taking up cross. The symbolism is crucifying yourself and following him. Probably one reason we don't think that way is because we've got everything divided into sacred and secular. And people say things like, I'd really like to serve God. I'd really like to serve Him somehow, but I've got to spend so much time at my secular job. Well, you can find that in the Bible if you stay in the Old Testament. The Old Testament's kind of like that. The Old Testament had a system of priests and a temple, and that was sacred. And if you were a priest, you were different than everybody else. You were consecrated, you were sacred, and you had to wear special clothes, and you had to wash a certain way, and you did all sorts of things. And the temple was a sacred place. When you got close to it, you had to do certain things. And the rest of the world wasn't sacred, is the impression you got. God was in there. He came down, his Shekinah came down, and he was in there, which implies he's not out here. So there was this picture of sacred and secular. But the New Testament, what's it say? Who's it say are priests? It says we are all priests. Well, where's the temple? We are all the temple. Where does God live? He lives in us. Can you see the difference in the picture? So this thing we do with sacred and secular, we shouldn't do. If we didn't do that, in fact, if we really thought that way, Let me suggest from the title of my sermon that if we really thought that way, Tuesday would be take your Jesus to work day. Not take your son to work day. Not take your grandson to work day. Take your Jesus to work day. Just think through that. That's the reason I've had Corbin go through all this for me is think through what that means. To have him, Jesus, right there with you makes a difference. See, when I'm up here alone, I can go anywhere I want, do anything I want. Okay? When I had my grandson up here with I had to think about him. And, of course, it was backwards because I was having him follow me. If you take your Jesus to work day, you follow him. You think about that before you take a step one direction or another. Since I had my grandson with me, I checked with him before I told a joke to see if it was all right with him. You get the picture? You ever tell a joke at work that if you would have asked Jesus beforehand, he might have said, I don't think so. Hmm? Is this making it a little more real for Tuesday? Okay. You ever laugh at a joke? 
that if you looked beside you at Jesus, he might not be laughing? That's the picture. That's the New Testament plan. He's with us. He's in us. We go everywhere together. If you got that picture, and if you can keep it till Tuesday and after that and reinforce it all the time, maybe it'll help. Here's some things to think about as you think about taking Jesus to work with you. Uh, Your workplace, the everyday things you do, that is service to God. Think of that. See, we draw that picture, sacred, secular, so we don't think it is. But it is. Whatever we do is service to God in this sense. Everything we do affects somebody else. Why was I able to have my granola this morning? Because of some farmer somewhere. Some farmer did his task, which he might see as drudgery and all of that, but he should see it as he's serving thousands of people. He's keeping thousands of people alive. That's the same for every job. doesn't matter what it is. Farmers may look a little bigger to us because he serves so many people, but whatever you're doing serves somebody. I know it does. If it wasn't serving somebody, you wouldn't be getting paid for it. It's the way the world works. So you're serving somebody. And when you think about taking Jesus to work with you, before you go, if you get to thinking your work isn't serving somebody, why don't you ask Jesus about that? Jesus, it's time to go to work today. I'm not too excited about it. What do you think about work? Well, I think Jesus would say, well, first 30 years of my life, I worked in the carpenter shop. I served people. Wherever Dad got a job, that's where we went. And some people argue that what the word for carpenter really means more of a house builder or a contractor than it does a woodworker. But it doesn't matter to me whether Jesus was making tables and chairs or, or building houses. He was serving people. People needed tables, chairs. People need houses. That's what he did for most of his life. I think he thinks pretty highly of secular work. Think of it this way. Sometimes somebody will say something to me. They'll say, well, I never thought of it that way. What you said in your sermon, I never really put it in that perspective. And your sermon really changed the way I think about that. I didn't say that happened very often, but sometimes that happens. And when that happens, that makes me feel good. I think, good, I'm glad, glad I had some effect there, glad the Word had some effect. And it reminds me of the responsibility that I have as a preacher to always cut it straight, is what we say around here. But do you realize that's not just true for a preacher? You know, I've got a bunch of people for 30 minutes a week listening to me. You've got a bunch of people at work watching you and listening to you for 40 hours every week. Your work is service. What you do if they hear it, they see it, they see how you operate and how you follow Jesus, it may change their way of thinking. See, that's a different way of thinking about it. Your work is service to God. 
Let me add something to that. Your work is how you serve God. You're there for a reason. That's how you serve God. You say, well, Tandy, you don't know where I work. (laughs) You don't know my boss and the people that work around me and all the politics and the dirty talk that goes on and all the flirtations and the affairs and the pornography and the gossip. You don't know what my workplace is like. Well, I probably have an idea, but it doesn't really matter. Because Jesus familiar with those kind of workplaces. Spirit familiar with them, and they still in the Bible told slaves who worked in the worst conditions that you can imagine. And we don't have slaves and masters today, but employee-employer relations kind of close to it, and I think it's applicable. Ephesians 6, 5 and 6 says, Workers, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. That's the way the Bible thinks about it. Your job, your your vocation, your calling is serving God. So you serve your master just like you'd serve Christ. Not just to win their favor, Paul said, when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. He says... Not just to please them, not just when they're watching, but all the time. Work like you're serving God. Peter made it even a little clearer in 1 Peter 2.18. He said, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Okay? I've had both kinds of bosses. I've had good and considerate ones, and I've had a few harsh ones. Peter said, employees, slaves, treat them with respect. Okay? Now, some of you are sitting there and saying, boy, this guy is nuts. How do I apply that in the real world? That's why I said this sermon is applicable. Those verses aren't theological mysteries. They're telling you how to act at work. But some of you are still thinking, man, I'm in my pagan environment, i got a pagan boss. Uh, the whole place is pagan. They're never going to change. They're not going to watch me or listen to me. One word, Daniel. You know the story of Daniel? Daniel was in Babylon. Daniel was with King Nebuchadnezzar. We're talking pagan, pagan here. It was a pagan country, a pagan king. And if things weren't bad enough, Daniel got appointed to be a bureaucrat in the pagan government. Yeah, how tough can it be? But that's where he was. Yeah. From Daniel's point of view, all of that didn't really matter. He was there to serve God. He just served God. Now, did he have to make some decisions about how far he could go and all that? Oh, yeah. And he drew the line sometimes. He said, nope, not going there. But other than that, he worked in the pagan environment, and he served God the whole time. He got promoted. In fact, the king got overthrown. Nebuchadnezzar got overthrown by Darius, and 
they, they made a law to persecute Daniel, written specifically to persecute Daniel. You know the lion's den thing? What did Daniel do? Served God. I pray three times a day. I don't care what the law says. I'm going to pray three times a day. So he did. Got thrown in the lion's den. Now, the, the, the climax of the story, the good part, is at the end, the next morning, the pagan king Darius, what did he say to Daniel? What did he yell into the lion's den? He said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you. Was Darius watching? Was the pagan king paying attention to this guy that was just serving God and doing his job? Yeah, he had watched. He knew. He knew this guy serves God continually. This guy serves his God continually. might not be mine, but he serves his God continually, and he draws some lines sometimes. Yeah, they're watching. I guarantee you they're watching if you've given any indication that you're a Christian and brought Jesus with you. They'll be watching. That king, you can't get that story out of your head. The king, he was a pagan king in a pagan environment. Daniel had a pagan job, and that king knew that Daniel served God continually. Do your fellow workers know that? There's a question for you. Do they know you serve God continually? Do they know because you draw lines sometimes that I can't go there? Do you look like you've got a friend beside you at work? Like you took your Jesus to work that day? Last thing, where you work is your service. It is service to God. It's your service to God. It's where you serve God. And I want you to think of just a little bit different take here. Whatever your title is at work, I don't know if you're an accountant or a manager or a janitor or what you are, but the Bible says you're a minister. That's your other title. Now, you don't have to put that on your name badge. Might freak them a little bit, but you are a minister, the Bible says. Okay? Some people say, I wish I could do what you do. I wish I could just serve full-time in ministry. Well, I understand what they're saying. I spent 37 years in a secular job, and I know what you mean. I mean, I understand uh, I know the language, I know the pressures that you face, I know the junk that goes on in the secular world, and I will admit the church office is a lot more pleasant place to work. It's a lot more pleasant place to spend 40 hours than in all the places I was in for 37 years. I know that. But I want you to understand one thing. I'm no more a servant of God now than I was then. I'm doing something different, but according to the Bible, according to God, we're all ministers. Whatever our job description is. And you might be called to the mission field someday. 
Or your calling might be to stay in the mission field you're already in. Because that's what it is. Some of you still aren't buying this. You're thinking, you don't know where I work. It's tougher than you can imagine. And I'm not even in the right place. I couldn't get the job I really wanted, so I'm stuck here. I'm a victim of circumstances. Victim of circumstances? Same word again, Daniel. Why was Daniel in Babylon? Because an army came and snatched him and took him to Babylon. You think maybe he thought, I'm a victim of circumstances. He probably did, but he still decided, wherever I am, I'm going to serve God. You know what God said about it? Jeremiah 29, 7, he said, I have carried you into exile. From Daniel's point of view, that army came and snatched me. I don't want to be here. I'm a victim of circumstances. From God's point of view, I got you there. I got you right where I want you. It may not seem like that to us, but wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're in a secular workplace, you're a minister. You may work side by side, elbow to elbow with some pagan. Well, you probably visit with them. You probably talk about things, about their kids and family and maybe some of their hopes and dreams and when they bought a new car and all that. Did you ever think that maybe God sees that as an opportunity? The verse that Brother Albert read before we started the opening prayer. Paul said, he's made us ministers of reconciliation. Uh, That's everybody. Okay, Yeah, I get to preach here on Sundays to the flock, basically. But not many of you need to be reconciled to God. The ministers of reconciliation are out there. You're the one that's going into a a mission field where people need to be reconciled to God, and maybe that one's sitting right beside you. If you take Jesus with you, that'll seem like a little easier task. I mean, if you think you've got to do it all alone, this seems like a giant task. I've got to introduce this pagan to my Jesus. But if Jesus is with you, it comes fairly natural. should come fairly natural. All right, that, that's the concept I want you to get. Not all the details and all of that you don't have to remember. But just, if when you take out the door Tuesday or whenever you go back to work or to school or wherever, if you just say, I'm going to take my Jesus to work with me today might make a difference in what you do. I mentioned Jeremiah 29 about uh, how God got Daniel into exile. The rest of that passage is pretty interesting. And I think it reinforces the fact that we make too much out of this sacred, secular thing. We, we make serving God too special. We make uh, we got to be a preacher, we got to do this or that. Listen to what God said to the people that went into exile. Jeremiah 29, verse 5 is where I'm going to start reading. And it starts out at verse 
4, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty God said to Israel, to the ones he carried into exile. Listen to their instructions. Verse 5, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Does that sound really cosmic spiritual assignment? That sounds like just be a good citizen. Just be a good employee. Go to work. Do your job. Plant gardens. Eat. Have, grow a family. Pray for the country that you're exiled in. Because if it does well, you'll do well. Have an influence on people? Yeah, Daniel had an influence. So did the three boys that went with him. But it's not that tricky. It's just go do your job. Build your house. Have a good family. In today's world, that impresses people. You just got a good family. All of that's pretty practical. All of that's pretty simple. Of course, that was written to people in exile. I think we're in exile, folks. Most of you have sung that song. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We're exiled here for a while. So what are we supposed to do? Well, maybe there's a pretty good clue there. This world isn't my home. I'm just here for a little while. But while I'm here, I'm going to have a good family. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to draw the line where the pagans want me to cross it. And I'm going to influence people because I'm a minister. He tells them to be among the people where they're exiled. He doesn't say be like them. New Testament tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. That's how he says it. That's what Jesus, or God is saying. He says, be there. Don't be like them. You're going to be different. You've got to draw the line sometimes. And if you draw the line, you may get thrown in the furnace. You may get thrown in the lion's den. That's okay. He'll take care of you even there. Okay. Think of it this way. Right now, I'll guarantee you, you are different than many of your coworkers right now. A lot of them are at the lake. A lot of them are doing something else. They're doing secular things. And you're here in a sacred place. Same thing should be true Tuesday. You ought to be in a sacred place. You ought to think of it differently. You're going to be in a place where you can serve the Lord. You're going to be in a place where you're assigned to minister to those around you. My advice, take your Jesus to work with you. 
the lesson is yours. If you're here this morning and need to respond in some way, we'd be happy to help you. I'd be happy to help you put Christ on in baptism, or if you need a prayer of this family or uh, some information for us, we'd be happy to hear it. The elders will be at the front to receive you. Let's stand and sing.